We'd like to thank our podcast sponsors for supporting our programs. Here's a quick message. Keycentrics is a premier provider of business-enhancing technology for independent pharmacies. Their powerful solutions help specialty, retail, mail order, and direct-to-consumer pharmacies thrive. Use Newleaf Pharmacy Management Software with the SendKey communication platform and FlexTrack's point-of-sale system to run better, smarter, and faster while maintaining the highest quality patient and prescriber care. Gain faster prior authorizations, greater patient adherence, improved prescription accuracy, and better utilization of staff. All with a 24-7 help desk and Keycentrics University, an online training system that can be accessed from any device, anytime. Learn how Keycentrics can help your pharmacy by visiting Keycentrics.com. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Podcast Network's coverage of Access to Pharmacy, the AXS 2023. This is exciting to be part of the Assembia's communications team and press coverage. It was a, a wonderful time. Thank you so much for your help. My producer, Brady Yuri. we had a great time. We had some interviews with some great leaders and innovators in pharmacy. CEO of RX Lightning, Julia Regan, we got to give a shout out to you. Thank you so much for your support. Sheila Arquette, CEO and president of the NASP. It's always great catching up with Sheila. She is a leader in specialty pharmacy. We catch up with Harry Travis. I can't wait to share this interview with you and the coverage of Assembia 2023 post show. Thank you so much, Matthew Gilbert and RxSafe for being part of this special coverage of this event. And thank you listeners for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network's coverage of Assembia 2023. We'll see you next year. Access 2024. Hey, we are here at the Assemblia 2023 in Las Vegas. This is my favorite time to get together with business people and innovators in specialty pharmacy because of how many people actually come to this event. 7,000 plus people are here in Vegas. Um, pushing pharmacy, specialty pharmacy, rare disease state treatment technology forward. And we have one of those innovators here with us uh, to kick off our interviews. Julia Regan is the CEO of RX Lightning. Mm -hmm. Julia, welcome to the uh, show and the post show for Assembia here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I feel like I should do a happy dance. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to make you dance a little bit later. So we're definitely going to have some dancing. Okay. So you you said it. You're the one that put it out there. So it's, now it's going to happen. So what about RX Lightning? Please, like I first heard of you about a month ago. So I want to know what RX Lightning is doing to improve uh, specialty pharmacy care. And I also want to understand your leadership style and, and why you're excited to be um, be part of the specialty pharmacy ecosystem. Okay. So our mission, like a lot of people here, is to help patients that need specialty meds, which are high-cost medicines that treat uh, chronic rare diseases, things that are typically life-threatening, to get their medicines quicker and in a more affordable way. And we, we started because the industry for years has really been about creating services and people 
to help navigate this experience. Um, and when technology has been used, it's used for a part of the process or for a single drug or for a single pharmacy. And we wanted to kind of you know, step back and say, hey, we could reimagine this because when, when you're a patient that's diagnosed with cancer and you need your medicine and then it takes weeks or months to yeah. get it, it's just horrible. So we believe that getting your medicine should be as easy as ordering a pizza, that everybody along that journey should know what is happening during that process and be able to have visibility to give at least some sort of relief that things are being done um, when your life is at risk. Yep. So Arcs Lightning uh, is an end-to-end -end platform that takes all those processes across that patient journey for 1,238 drugs and makes it digital for the first time. And then it connects the doctor, the patient, the specialty pharmacy, the drug manufacturer, and all the support teams along that journey together to finally bring visibility into that process and allow people to know what, what is happening. So based on the NDC, it sounds like based on the drug that you've helped to create accelerated processes to get that medication to the patient faster than what a traditional process puts someone through, which could include intake, hub services, REMS reporting, and all of this stuff that really pre-authorization, double pre-authorization, triple pre-authorization. <laughs> yes. So, like, that's fascinating me because that's been a big deterrent to getting people started on treatment. And like you said, 5, 10, 30 days. If I had cancer and I was assigned a medication to help me start that horrible experience and process, I'd want to start it as soon as possible. So without giving away the... The secret sauce blueprint. Talk to us about how you are accelerating that process. Yeah, so we've created a platform that providers could use. It's free to providers. We uh, have a standalone portal. We also have integrations into the EHRs, and we have APIs with great channel partners that take our technology to their user base. And when providers have a patient that's diagnosed with whatever medicine they that it is, they could go to it um, and then see the entire patient journey and any of those prior processes that used to be paper, phone, fax that mm -hmm. they used to have to go to Google find is in one place. So it's a couple click of the buttons that they could uh, select the drug, select the destination. So if it's a pharmacy, if it's a hub, because we play Switzerland in this ecosystem. Mm -hmm. we, we don't dictate the path of the prescription. We just want to help facilitate the path of the prescription for the patient and for everyone along that journey. So if they want to use the hub services, they could use the hub services. If they want to use the specialty pharmacy for the dispense and have them do the service work, they could do, do that. Um, if they want to use our tools to check the pricing and um, do the PA, they're, they're able to, to do that as well. And as a result, what used to take sometimes hours, because a lot of times patient signature has to happen and they're not in the office, mm -hmm. um, hours or weeks, uh, we're seeing done in minutes. Uh, the other day we were working with a, a pharmacist or a physician and the, their complaint of the day to me was, hey, Julia, we onboarded six new patients in 25 minutes, and it could be faster if you default something. And I, I said to, to the woman physician, I said, well, what was it like before? And she's like, oh, it would have taken days. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so she wants it to be faster. <laughs> yeah, I guess when you speed something up so drastically, 
there's definitely still room for improvements, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we could always get better, but, and then they push you to the limit. So uh, we'll, we'll hopefully uh, not have her complaining again. So interfaces to organizations like Epic EHR system that the majority of our physicians in the United States are using, mm-hmm. um, what was that like? Because the eye rolls are out there right now listening to this podcast, knowing how tedious it can become to interface with such a giant Um, but things have changed. I've heard that their API process has gotten, it gotten faster, but how is that? that, Because to me, that sounds so important when you know how many physicians are using that electronic health record to connect to this RX, um, lightning system. Talk to us about that a little bit. It's interesting. So I probably would roll my eyes at the people too, talking about all the EHR integrations with Mm -hmm. this stuff as well, just because I don't think there's any company in the industry for any part of the process that has true scale with the EHR integrations. Um, We have a very crawl, walk, run methodology with our technology. So we do have some uh, health systems. uh, It's public. Yale is one of our users. Uh, We do have a single sign-on and uh, fire integration to their EHR and Mm -hmm. then prompts that drive their team into our platform. Um, And that actually was an extremely seamless integration and process. Uh, The Yale team and their uh, technology organization there is uh, really top-notch. So our team was able to execute on that. We have other large health systems that when you look at the health system, they've got 12 different EHRs. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, for them, it's not worth integrating into the EHR. And those organizations choose to use our technology and our portal in a standalone fashion. Now, we do have ways to power and populate that with the data out of the EHR, but it's not uh, seamless API integrations. It's not like a, yeah. a, a forward back um, Right. talking to the system. Well, it is. It's just more SFTP data exchange. Like there's, I think there's a lot of um, organizations out there that they they want to appear better than yeah. what it is instead of just saying, Telling hey, the truth. healthcare <laughs> has limitations. That's right. Um, so I think a lot of people represent SFTP data exchange as real-time integrations into an EHR when it's, it's not. So just like pharmacists who work their hearts out for their patients. Sometimes they are seen um, internal to the HCP realm of patient care, but sometimes the patient, they don't see what's happening behind the scenes. It sounds like ARC's um, Lightning is a behind the scenes empowerment of the pharmacist in the process, but the, the end user probably doesn't know that RX Lightning is even, you know, even in motion. Yeah, it depends on it. Like the, the providers, that are using our front end definitely know that it's our explaining powering it. Uh, providers that are using other partners of ours that we're just powering, um, it, you're completely right. Uh, and I think that's the beauty of our, our technology and our approach. Like there's some organizations that when they start, they say, hey, I wanna do this and I wanna own 100% of the real estate. For us, it's very personal to me that mm-hmm. we solve this. I think that we, we have this mission um, we just moved into our uh, corporate headquarters in southern Indiana, uh, outside of Louisville, Kentucky. And we're in this beautiful old historic building that was uh, renovated recently. And um, I painted our logo, one of our logos, it's for the one. You know, I think we could all relate to somebody in our life that has been on a specialty med, that has a rare disease, et cetera, that had poor care or poor process to get those meds. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
We actually, if you ever want to come to Louisville, we have people come and put their one on our wall as our mission because it's so ingrained in our culture. Uh, we want to solve the problem. So in order to do that, everyone across this ecosystem needs to come together and work together mm-hmm. because one organization is not going to solve it. So we're we're blasted out through every podcast directory that exists. We're reaching 150,000 listeners per month. Uh, this series will probably get between two and 3,000 downloads within the first 30 to 60 days. So who are you calling out to right now that you want to work with? What organization or people or types that you want to give a shout out so they can reach out to the RX Lightning team and, and move forward? It's really a handful of organizations. One is the health systems. You know, They're using Post-its and Excel, and there's not a workflow management tool that navigates this entire process end-to-end for all the meds that they care about, uh, we could help. And uh, we've seen it very quickly with our current health system partners that they see it and are like, oh my God, this this is really gonna help me. Uh, and we're free. Um, <laughs> so that helps. Uh, on the other side is the specialty pharmacies and the drug manufacturers. We need to come together and close the loop because if we, we have this network of providers that are asking us to help solve this problem for them, and it's going to take partners coming and connecting to really close that loop and ensure that. So uh, we would love to work with the specialty drug manufacturers and the specialty pharmacies. Excellent. Is this your first or second Assembia? Oh, this is a lot of Assembias. I don't even know if I could keep track. Yeah. I know. We, I, when, we, when I first came, it was called Armada Health Summit or the Amada Summit back before it was a symbia. So I don't know if you're back that far. I'm not that that far back. Clearly, <laughs> I didn't know where the cabanas were. <laughs> yeah, the cabanas were hidden. Well, uh, Julia, it's been just amazing to meet you. Uh, I can see the passion in your eyes for this. This is more than just um, a, a job for you. I can tell it's a mission. We like that because we, are gravi- we gravitate towards people that are mission-driven. So we have to have you back on the show and really talk about maybe we'll bring in some of your integration partners to really yes. discuss ways to even accelerate even further than your 25 minutes or whatever it was that was impatient for the one <laughs> physician. God bless her. Um, but thank you so much for being part of the Assembia 2023 Post Show. Yes, thank you. And thank you for uh, helping promote RX Lightning and get our mission out there. There will be more promotion of RX Lightning. Please watch for announcements on social media as well as a follow-up interview. So we're excited. Patient access to medications when we're at a specialty pharmacy conference, the number one business-oriented specialty pharmacy conference that I've been to since 2012, or no, 2017, when it was called um, Armada Health in the summit that they had. So I absolutely love what the Irenes have built. A shout out to um, to Larry and to Chris Benz and to everyone that's part of the Assembia team. We love being here covering this show. Assessia Health, this is a company that I just learned about. Gwen Cooper is here with us in Cabana 305 here at the Sunset Pool at Assembia 2023. Gwen, it's great to have you here. Oh, thanks. This is a great opportunity to talk about patient assistance. Patient assistance, but it's more intimate than that for you because you were telling me about the lung treatment backup and support that you're helping with, and then you're also advocating for patient direction and education, which is a big part of treatment that sometimes is overlooked. So 
Give us an overview about your company and your mission. Sure. So there are only six nonprofit patient assistance organizations in the U.S. We're a small but mighty group of people. And we operate persist, uh, pursuant to an OIG opinion. What that opinion allows us to do is take money from the healthcare ecosystem, right now principally from pharma. We can take donations and then we can actually pay for healthcare. So if you think about how people are talking about access to healthcare, they're talking about going into communities potentially, they're talking about interoperability, but they're not putting the money in the hands of the patients that need it. Mm -hmm. So if you, you start right there, what we do is create disease funds and then seek donations. People must be financially eligible to come into our programs, and then we pay for the health care that they need so they're engaged in the health care system. But that's just part one. So there's buzzwords. Some of these buzzwords are nothing but that, just buzzwords that I don't think really have any stickiness. You made a specific um, reference at the beginning before our interview to say instead of health equity and health equality, we're talking about health literacy. Right. And then when you described what that meant, it really hit home with me. So yep. I want you to share our with our listeners about that. Yep. When you come into a patient's <coughs> assistance program or you're walking into a hospital, you're already in the system, right? But if you don't know about this system because you have a low health literacy, they don't even know where to begin. So if you look at patient's assistance and the gift that we have of our OIG opinion, so we have a safe harbor to take that money and then hand it out, we're the piece of the puzzle that people aren't talking about. If you improve health literacy, if you engage people in the healthcare system, if you explain to them what a copay is, if you explain to them what happens if they have a high deductible plan and they can't afford their copays, if you talk to them at their level, meet them where they are, talk to them and look like them and meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. You're going to start engaging people in the system and, and you give them the knowledge and then they're empowered. What's empowerment? You want to share empowerment because if you engage somebody in the system by meeting them where they are and they feel better, <laughs> then they're yeah. going to tell people that they feel better and they're going to say, you need to go to the doctor too. How does companies that are here in this ecosystem um, right here in Assembia, for example, how do they connect with Assessia? How do they work with your organization? There's a couple, There's many different ways that the ecosystem can work with us. The specialty pharmacy, they're going to understand who we are because patients will come to the pharmacy because they've been given a prescription, and they'll go to pick it up, and the pharmacist will say, here's your copay, and they'll say, I, I, I can't afford that. I'm out of here. And then they'll refer to us. So that would be step one, or they'll refer to a pharmaceutical manufacturer's copay program. Depends on what insurance they have and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But what we're talking about are treatment deserts. What we're talking about are going into communities where people aren't even engaged in the system yet. What pharma's talking about is how do they play a role in health equity? If you think about it, and you can't afford your light bill, you think you're caring about going to the doctor to get right. some medication? Right. So we can be, we are that missing piece of the puzzle to be able to go to treatment deserts, communities, et cetera, and that's where you talked about asthma and you talked about um, lung health. That's where the, our, our new one breath campaign kicks in because we've come up with this novel idea to try to show that healthcare ecosystem how we can play with them differently than we do today. So when I think of the education starting, it, I, I think of the physician probably said something. The physician handed the treatment off to the specialty pharmacist or the pharmacist. 
that's where the more intimate opportunity of education of different things happening for the patient, not only about their condition and their treatment, but also about navigation around these payment systems that are barriers to care. So I could see Accessia educating the pharmacist first to educate the patient to the availability of the service. It's funny you say that. So where does it start? And it all goes back to health literacy. Think about the pharmacist, but think about the provider. So we, as this small and mighty industry, I thought providers totally understood what nonprofit patient assistance is until we launched our One Breath campaign and I had a meeting with the physician groups. Um, Medico CX is our physician group partner in this. And the physician said, I don't understand. What do you mean you're a nonprofit patient assistance organization? How does this work? <laughs> and so the next day I met with two um, asthma and allergy doctors because I'm on the board of the American Lung Association. And I said, tell me what you know. And they said, we don't understand anything you were talking about last night, but we want to. So tell us how this works. Hmm. So here's That's a powerful. statistic for you. Just in asthma and allergy alone, 30% of patients that are prescribed a medication get the first fill and then abandon it Jeez. because they can't afford it. So there has to be an education. There has to be something that we can do. There has to be a way to say, okay, I'm not going to pay for your copay. I'm going to pay to keep your light bill, your lights on. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you um, a food benefit because food is medicine. And then maybe if you improve your health through your diet, you might be able to improve your lung health. Yep. There's so, I mean, so many interconnected ways that we can participate. So if it starts with the provider, yes, it also goes to the pharmacist. Pharmacists are in the community. They are the key to understanding how to connect people to all the resources that are there and to help us figure out how we can create those resources together and, again, empower people to participate in their health care. Agreed. Um, I think when you're saying that you're the AFLAC of uh, specialty <laughs> pharmacy it. care. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, it's been wonderful to have you here, Gwen. We have other questions and we have themes that are going to connect to disease states with, that we know are extremely expensive. We have to have you back on the program. We have to get more education and more stories out to listening pharmacists and our technicians and our business owners that you're there. What's the best way to reach out to your organization? A shout out to our listeners. AccessiaHealth.org and we would love to educate. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Here's a message from today's episode's sponsor. Last year, nearly 40% of Americans delayed or skipped medical care due to costs. TaylorMed offers a comprehensive solution the nation's largest network of patients, providers, pharmacies, life science companies, and other partners dedicated to improving healthcare affordability anywhere a prescription is written or dispensed. TaylorMed's innovative product suite empowers network constituents to improve patient experience and outcomes while boosting their own financial health. Its best-in-class platform proactively identifies patients in need and automates enrollment in cost-saving resources, spanning more than 60,000 assistance programs and over 1,000 chronic conditions. By matching patients with the right resources at the right time, TaylorMed enables pharmacies and providers to reduce prescription abandonment, boost adherence, and increase revenue. 
To learn more, head to www.tailormed.co. Vegas, I tell you what, there's love and hate for this town. I love it that it brings us all together as pharmacy professionals. And some of the best conferences I've ever been to has been here in Vegas. But I just get tired of the of the the craziness and the you know. Once you've been to Vegas, I don't know six. I've been here sixty sometimes. Matt, how many times have you been to Vegas? Too many to count. Probably over a hundred. <laughs> it's. Uh, I feel like I'm in a nightclub being in here with you right now. But uh, yeah, it, tell, it, tell our listeners what you see right now. Uh, all I see is lights. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm back at Studio Fifty Four or something. Yes. Right now. Yeah. Our, our vibe is definitely um, party because we want to celebrate specialty pharmacy. We want to celebrate innovators in in providing better support to our pharmacist and, and patients ultimately. That's the whole reason that RxSafe is here right now. I've trusted this organization for years. RxSafe is the longest running sponsor of the Pharmacy Podcast Network and really believed in using the media, the media form of audio to get messaging out and tell stories about how community pharmacies and specialty pharmacies and long-term care pharmacies were using adherence packaging to really drive down on non-adherence and saving people's lives. But I'm going to shift the gear back to specialty pharmacy. That's why we're here. Tell me about how RxSafe has, has found a vertical, a special sector of our pharmacy industry and has really become a, a huge partner in specialty care. Yeah, well, it all started out. I mean, we were really focused on independent retail, independent LTC combo shop for a lot of years. And a few years ago, I brought to Bill the idea of branching out into specialty and, and getting into that vertical. And it's been nothing but success since then, uh, whether it's networking with consultants or pharmacists or pharma themselves directly. Uh, our goal is to get technology into the marketplace that keeps patients adherent and, uh, and drives compliance. So that, that's what all of our automation does, and that's our goal every day. You know, you hear the survey information come out about the consumer trusting their pharmacists. This sector of healthcare is driven by trust. And, and another way of saying it without being, um, without being politically correct, I guess, is it's a no-bullshit industry. Because if, you are not, if you're not here doing something that brings value to a process— if you're not doing something that brings value to patient care, you almost get black sheeped and you get pushed out. RxSafe has been so successful in what you did in community independent pharmacy support and helping pharmacies to thrive and be more profitable and drive more adherence, drive more. I love the whole supplement um, business that you've helped um, pharmacies uh, build and grow to, uh, to say, hey, your patient is on some kind of medication that's going to have an effect on their vitamin D. And if you just throw this vitamin into their adherence packaging, now they're automatically going to take everything in their 830 pass. And part of that is, is an, tell me about the clinical side of RxSafe. Who, who's there kind of really helping pharmacies to see opportunities like that? And how does it fit into specialty? Yeah, so uh, specific to my team, which is business transformation, and that, that overlaps a lot of different business sectors, uh, we'll say. But uh, what we're trying to do is help drive compliance, but in the, in the same vein, drive new revenue to the pharmacy. So bringing in you know, supplements that may be depleted by the use of other pharmaceutical agents and bring those back in-house, and instead of somebody going to a big box store buying it, 
A, you've got it in-house, so you're bringing in the revenue, whether you're an independent or a specialty or a mail order, whatever type of pharmacy it is. But B, you're having clinical oversight over everything that they're taking. If they buy something at an outside store, you have no idea, and that could be actually interacting with something that they're taking in-store. Uh, so that's something that, that my team really tries to drive home is new business opportunities and new clinical opportunities. So we're seeing the extension of our community pharmacies now reaching deeper into their communities through home care, homebound patients that can't get out of their home for whatever it, you know, issue that they're experiencing. I think of rare diseases and how people are in their homes once again. They can't afford to be in a skilled nursing home or there's no bed available to them in their community. They certainly don't want to be hanging out in a, um, an infusion center or a hospital, but they need specialty care. So talk to us a little bit about how RxSafe is helping independent community pharmacies to extend services into community, but how specialty also plays into that. Yeah, so the at-home business model uh, and the at-home service model moving forward, we think is going to be huge, and, and a lot of big organizations out there do as well. Uh, so us as a company partnering with a lot of home health agencies and direct patient service care agencies, uh, that's been something that's driving a lot of opportunities to our member pharmacies, but also using the billing mechanisms that, uh, that drive some higher reimbursements or lower DIR fees on some of those meds we guide our customers through that process as well. And to take it one step further, uh, something I've been working on about the last six months is looping in RPM and RTM. Uh, so using some of the uh, remote patient monitoring capabilities and remote therapeutic monitoring devices that are out there, uh, we can actually help our member pharmacies gain higher reimbursements through those other lines of business as well. So again, it goes back to compliance, driving adherence, making patients healthier, but also at the end of the day, making the pharmacy profitable and able to provide those clinical services. Matt, if someone's listening and they are curious, talked about reaching out to you and your division specifically that helps to assess um, the need as well as the placement, as well as the implementation. Something that I take pride in uh, with RxSafe being part of our network and really giving good information is the stories that I hear from your, your customers and clients, one of the stories that I'll remember forever, they've asked me not to mention their name because they're also attached to a big health system, which is fine. And they were telling me that, that your organization does not want clients to buy your services unless it fits. And how you and business transformation will help them assess does this work for your specific pharmacy and your specific business model? And if it does, you're there for them. But if it doesn't, hey, let me just give you some good information about what we think you can do and maybe even some other players. But I think that, that there's so much credibility and character to that. Yeah, yeah, there really is. And that starts from the top with our, our CEO, Bill Holmes. You know, he, uh, he always drives that let's partner with somebody versus let's sell them a piece of technology and say good luck. So we want to make sure it's a right fit from the get-go. Uh, and it takes two partners, right? It takes a partner on the pharmacy side that's willing to go out and explore the different avenues that we can present to them. But it takes us on the technology side to provide them what they need. So we, we always value it as a partnership. And it's not a, you know, buy a commodity and good luck with it kind of relationship. 
So if someone's listening and they want to reach out to you, what's the best way to get a hold of you in order to start those conversations? Yep. Uh, directly on my cell, 860-465-7349. Email at mgilbert at rxsafe.com. Find me on LinkedIn. I'm posting all the time, traveling around the country, <laughs> seeing Todd at every city I roll yeah. into. Uh, but uh, this is the first time he uh, presented me with a nightclub. So it's, it's hey. nice to have some uh, some friends like this. It's our, it's our nut club environment podcasting studio. And, <laughs> and I love it. Why not do it this way every time? Exactly. Go big or go home. Vegas <laughs> for right. the 142nd time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matt, from RxSafe. We appreciate you guys so much. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate it. Take care. Hey, if you're at Assembia anytime, I started coming in 2017. It wasn't even Assembia back then. It was actually Armada Health, and this is the Armada Health event, which means I'm getting old. But if you come to Assembia and you don't meet up with Sheila Arquette from the National Association of Specialty Pharmacies, you're missing out on a specialty pharmacy annual event because of the perspective, the leadership, and the knowledge of what you've brought over the years, Sheila. And I'm so proud to have you here as part of our Assembia 2023 post-show event. So thanks for coming. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for inviting me, Todd. I'm so flattered. Um, that very kind words. Thank you. I've watched and observed and supported the NASP now for about five, six years. And it's it was the first association that gave an extra level of credibility to the podcast publication. And I believed in supporting you because I saw from your expressions and your passion and your advocacy and how much you were showing up in some of the news that you were fighting for specialty pharmacists first and you were fighting for patients because of their advocacy and their execution as, as pharmacists. And it just completely... You sold me. It was like a Jerry Maguire uh, element that you had me at hello. Well, thank you so much. Um, it's, it's been an incredible journey for us, right? For me personally and for the organization, and I'm so glad to be able to partner with you to amplify the voice, right, of specialty pharmacy, specialty pharmacists, all with the goal of enhancing patient care. Yep. Right? And that's what we've really been focused on. Um, Matthew Zachary, who runs Off Script Media, which is – everything and anything to do with supporting patient advocacy. He was here. He's part of Media Row and his organization, and he did a uh, session on the patient voice and the patient messaging and how important that is. And the NASP has always had, during your annual events, which we're so excited that we're once again your media partner for 2023, coming up in Grapevine here in November. Is it November or October? It is September. September. September That's 18 right. through 21. September 18th through 21st in Grapevine, Texas. Correct. All right. I love that area. So we get to be part of that, and he really steps out and says, and he was a cancer patient, mm. so he went through that. And he said, when I went through cancer, the process that I was put through was abysmal. It was horrible. It was unorganized it was it had nothing to do with patient care it had everything to do with the process and everybody was focused on the pre-authorization the data and the numbers and nobody was talking to me like a human being the nasp has always since i've been involved in your organization which has been like i said between 2017 2018 
you have always had a patient voice as part of that organization. I'm wondering, I think it was because you were seeing things from the provider's perspective. You were seeing things through the lens of a specialty pharmacist, and you've always approached it that way. Kind of open up to our audience and our listeners today about the NASP's vision and mission as an advocate, the leading advocacy group of all things specialty pharmacy. Sure. So, so you're right. Um, we are, we are taking care of probably the most vulnerable patients, right? And um, I'm I'm a cancer survivor myself, and that journey is really really frightening, right? And it, to be treated as a number and to have it to be such a transactional, um, you know, process and interaction with your healthcare providers, it shouldn't be that way. And so, uh, for us, you know, specialty pharmacy serves as that patient navigator and that care coordinator, and that personalized attention and that high glove service for these vulnerable patient populations, who are struggling with so much, is critical. And so that is where you know our advocacy efforts are are founded and grounded in ensuring that patients not only have access to the specialty drugs that they need, but the product and the support services also that they need. Um, when you think back to you know, 10, 15 years ago, most of these patients would be treated in either a hospital or an infusion center. They would be having interaction with some type of healthcare professional. And, and thanks to the, you know, the marvels of modern medicine, a lot of these therapies can be either administered, self-administered at home, taken orally, but the patient still has cancer, right? They yeah. still have cystic fibrosis. They're still dealing with you know, a life-altering diagnosis. They need help. They can't be out on an island, and so specialty pharmacy steps in, right? Serves the as an extension of that prescriber and that, and that treatment, that care treatment um, team's um, plan, and they try to keep, you know, they try to be that person to keep to keep the patient on track, right? And and if there's questions or there's concerns or you have fears, they they need somebody to go to, and so that's specialty pharmacy. So with respect to advocacy, we have to make sure that patients can not only access those medications and afford those medications but also that they can get those medications from the pharmacy of their choosing or the, the pharmacy that right. their provider feels comfortable working with. Pharmacists that they trust because cancer care, especially rare disease care, it's so much more personal. I don't mean to undercut um, an antibiotic experience or something that a consumer is going to their pharmacy because it's all healthcare, it's all very important. But when you're dealing with cancer or diabetes uh, or hypertension or something that is just always there as a patient, if you have an advocate on your side that you feel like that they fight for you, which right. is our pharmacists, therein lies the power of being a true provider and in, in, in inspiring your patient to stay on the therapy that they trust, which is in, the, in their best interest. Right, and I, and I always tell people it takes a village, right, to support a specialty pharmacy patient along their journey. And to me, that's what um, differentiates NASP from some of the other associations because we uh, represent and welcome all stakeholders in the industry. Anybody who touches a specialty pharmacy patient, we want to be a member of NASP so we understand, right, the decisions, the policy uh, decisions or positions that we take. Um, you know, anything that we, we do as an association to, to try to enhance patient care, we want to make sure that we have all of the stakeholders' perspectives and insights considered, right? And they all play a role. Yeah. Um, and some of them, it's direct, you know, hands-on patient care. Some of it's not. It's, you know, kind of supporting 
those pharmacies um, and those pharmacists who are taking care of these patients, but they're all um, equally as important. We have really watched um, and appreciated your leadership because something that I've noticed that I feel like I have in common with you is the empowerment aspect of leadership. You find champions that you know that you're not an expert in, because by the way, I am not a pharmacist, <laughs> right? Right. Like I don't, I'm not a pharmacist. So I rely on the expertise of someone in HIV, Michelle Sherman. I just saw her <laughs> here at this event. I was just so excited. I rely on the experts and then I amplify their voice. And that's literally what NASP is doing for the entire industry and the entire ecosystem of specialty pharmacy. You are echoing and connecting the voices of pharma, the providers, the pharmacist specialists, the payers, the um, hub services, Assembly as a member. Right. Like you're con interconnecting that. So this coming September is special that I think we have a lot more focus than we did uh, two years ago because of what the pandemic did to kind of shade sure. us. And now we're refocusing, we've strengthened. I think there's new technology companies that are attracted to specialty pharmacy. So if you're listening to the Assembia 2023 post show and you're not already planning to attend the NASP 2023 in Grapevine, uh, you're going to miss out on a very special occasion to bring together all of these stakeholders under the commitment that we believe in patients' um, lives to be bettered and to be enhanced and to thrive based on what specialty care can do for, what what specialty care can do for them. Absolutely. When I joined NASP, um, I quickly figured out I had had the fortune of um, an incredible network of colleagues, right, and pr friends and professionals that I leaned on in, you know, my prior roles. But when I got to NASP, I figured out I know them, and I'm fortunate to know them. They don't know each other. So how do I connect them with each other? Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, I'm always happy to connect people personally, but there's got to be, you know, um, benefits, you know, associated with membership in NASP that, that facilitates those introductions so that folks can get together and explore partnerships and synergies and how can we work together to, you know, not only enhance patient care but enable the pharmacies to maybe automate some of those processes so yeah. they can spend more time interacting with patients um, and, and, you know, redirect some of their resources so that, you know, they're making the most impact. So that's definitely been my mission um, here at NASP, and, and thank you for recognizing it because the annual meeting is a perfect place for us to all come together, it is. right? Share best practices, um, be you know educated, you know hear hear from our peers what's happening at their organizations, network, you know, and, and kind of again foster foster that that connection building, um, and then also have a little bit of fun. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and and Grapevine's so nice. Every time we've gone to Grapevine. Um, there's, uh, the venue is really nice. If they have, if you have family that you want to bring, there's a water park that's, that's right there. Um, I think that's the Great Wolf Lodge. There's um, something, that, yeah, down the road down the is road. the Great okay. Wolf Lodge, right? And the week before the conference starts, uh, Grapevine's having their wine festival. Okay. Which is awesome. So yeah. that's an opportunity for folks, too, to come in a little bit early and have some fun. Absolutely. Well, I also ran into Larry and Robert Irene on two separate occasions at this event, which is very special for me because mm -hmm. I've known these gentlemen for years back in Armada Health days. Sure. And they are empowering specialty pharmacy from a business perspective. And I think it's special that the two organizations, how NASP and Assembia has worked so well together, 
and them believing in the organization and believing in the platform of what the NASP stands for. So I want to give a shout out to us, the Assembia team for having us as well. Absolutely. You know, we work very collaboratively. Um, Tommy Cohn is on yeah. our board and we really appreciate, um, you know, he is one of the folks that rolls up his sleeves. He's, he's very active in advocacy. Yes. Um, you know, once a year we have a and hill day. Funny. Tommy's on the hill, right? Yeah, he's fun. And he just, <laughs> you know, he, he brings it down to the level that we all can understand. Correct. And it, it is. It's, it's a very synergistic relationship. Um you know, I, I love working with them. They've helped, you know, helped me grow up, right, in yep. the association world and, and learning more about specialty from a, through a different lens. So, yes, shout out to them, and thank you for having us. Always, a, you know, a fabulous event. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sheila, for being part of the Post Show and just believing in us as a publication. We can't wait to see you at NASP 2023. Awesome. Thanks so much, Todd. So I entered pharmacy. Everybody knows this that listens to our shows. It's been a while. It's been 14 years, 15, 14 years. And when I understood what long-term care pharmacy was and how that ties into community pharmacy, that's important. And then I certainly didn't understand what specialty pharmacy was and I got an opportunity to work with a group, an organization that reached out to me through LinkedIn, and it was Chris Benz with Armada Health. That's what they were called back in the day. And they said, why don't you come in and talk with Shivani Patel about Assembia One, which was the new system that they were building based on a brand identification and a rebranding of Armada Health to Assembia. Assembia 2023 Listeners might not understand where we've come from, but Assembia, which was called um, Armada Health at the time, and they had their conference. And before their conference, they had me consulting on a platform which was really to become a workflow system for specialty pharmacy and entered into this conference room, this distinguished looking gentleman that was really tall and he was, you know, he had his... uh, his gray and white hairs, which showed his distinguishedness and his expertise. And, and Shivani's like, we're going to welcome this guy named Harry Travis to our conference room here at, Assem- at, at Armada Health, and we're going to talk about our systems and our platform. And I was like, who is this cat? Who is this Harry Travis? And here we sat years later. You've been a conduit of information for me personally, You've traveled the world and understanding how specialty pharmacy impacts overall healthcare. Harry Travis, it is a pleasure and an honor to have you part of the Assembia 2023, 2023 post show. So hi, welcome. Hi, Todd. Uh, I remember that conference room. I remember that meeting. It yeah. is, uh, it's amazing how fast time flies. How and, fast. And how much goes on in the intervening time. Absolutely. But, uh, good to be here. Thanks, it's good uh, to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. There's a quality that you've driven in the market that I understand. It's hard to understand the perception of yourself you know, out in the market, but you've had such a quality that's been presented to the partners that you've come together with. And when, um, when the Armada Health team hired you to really assess some things in direction of where they were going, you provided some insights that was so important. If I if I accentuate and accelerate that, and now we're in 2023, you're doing the same thing. 
you're doing the same thing for countries like Georgia, the entire <laughs> yeah. country of Georgia. You're doing that from a community perspective, a payer perspective, technology perspective. I think that you have presented the industry, especially pharmacy sector, with a lot of interesting information that has been true. And when I say true, it's come from your heart and you want what's the best for patients based on your participation. And I've enjoyed our correspondence over the years. So I'm glad you're here. Well, I'm glad I'm here too. And I appreciate those kind words. One of the things I really like to do is to try to take complex issues and complex topics and simplify them down to kind of the basics for people who might not be kind of embedded in the day-to-day -day technical aspects of the business to understand what's going on in pharmacy, what's going on in specialty, how do I, how do I get my arms around this as a layman or a person who's more on the sidelines. And that's really what I've worked to do a lot in speaking engagements and consulting engagements and all of the jobs that I've had the good fortune to have throughout my career. And, you know, you talked about the Georgians. Uh, I had this yeah. project with the Georgia Healthcare Group, and that is the country of Georgia, the former Republic of Georgia, wanted their team to come over who run the pharmacies in the country of Georgia to come to the United States and see how it's done here. Yep. So we had a great uh, couple of days with them through a whole bunch of cities with lots of great partners, all the major pharmacy change and chains and associations. Uh, big uh, kind of thread of uh, commentary on it on my LinkedIn page if anybody wants to see what it's like to um, the pharmacy to see the practice of pharmacy in Georgia and see the practice of pharmacy in the United States through their eyes I'm um, you know I could mix up so many stories with you right now and we could podcast for the next eight hours and we just don't have the time to do it but there have been so many little tinctures of pharmacy <laughs> evolution in innovation. Rinku Patel with her package system where she empowered community pharmacy right. and specialty and manufacturer relationships. Um, we're talking about clinical trial relationships. We're talking about countries, like you're saying, with Georgia that don't know where to go to evolve mm -hmm. their, their not only community pharmacy but specialty pharmacy initiatives. I think you play a really interesting part in the evolution of specialty care. And I want the listeners to understand kind of what you've documented along the way, starting with like Statlanders out of Pittsburgh, for example, and the consultancy there, to the point that we fast forward and you took me to a hockey game with UPMC's team that's mm -hmm. that special, you know, all specialty care. Right. And you're always showing up because people trust your advisement. You know what I mean? You're not the end all be all but you're an advisor to help them make the best decisions possible, not only for their organizations, but more importantly for, for patient care. And I think that's really special. That's why I've always been like, well, I always like having you on the show because you give us that overall perspective. Well, thanks, but um, there's a lot of people on the team and a lot of people <laughs> in my network that I've had the good fortune to know, so. Let's stop talking about me and talk about what's, <laughs> the industry. What, what's new or what, uh, what you think uh, is happening here at the meeting. Uh, so we have people blogging. We have people tweeting and Instagram. Um, one of my favorite people talk about artificial intelligence all the time, John Nosta. 
I'd like to see your viewpoint on the future of specialty pharmacy specifically and accelerating care, breaking down the barriers of things like prior authorization and getting people, um, people's uh, treatment um, paid for. But from your perspective, what's happening on the, on the outskirts of specialty pharmacy that you think that our listeners should be paying attention to? Well, there's a lot going on, obviously. Specialty pharmacy is now kind of the foundation almost of the business of pharmacy. Right. I wouldn't say it's the foundation of the practice of pharmacy because the volume isn't there, but the dollars are there such that you practically can't be in the business of pharmacy without having some part of your strategy addressed to specialty. And then if you're in that, you need to address payer issues, prior auth issues, and outcomes issues, and all of that. And what's great about this meeting is you, you pretty much are standing in front of almost an endless buffet of topics that, that you can pick. Do you want to just go to the four or five topics, four or five sessions on cell and gene therapy? Do you want to go to the three or four sessions on prescription digital therapeutics or value-based contracting? So embedded in this meeting are all of the different kind of themes. One of the issues and topics that I'm going to be spending a little bit more of my time on going forward is actually the, the core profession of pharmacy, independent of specialty or retail or whatever, just the pharmacist, the licensed yep. pharmacist. And if you step back and just let me throw a couple kind of notes or data points out there to give you a sense of what I'm thinking about. And none of this is a dramatic uh, innovation or invention on my part uh, or discovery. It's just bits and pieces of information I've collected. This year, we're coming up on commencement season. Approximately 8,500 new PharmDs will be minted, mm-hmm. will graduate. So about 8,500 new graduates from, far, from the 140 plus, I mean it's a 140, 142 accredited pharmacy, pharmacy schools mm-hmm. in the United States. 8,500 new PharmDs. That is down from three years ago, three or four years ago, I'm being cautious of my data, but three or four years ago, that number was 14,500. So 14,500 down to 8,500, okay? Is that good? Is that bad? Sounds bad, but mm, maybe not. It just depends, right? But it is something that we should think about. Uh, And given that it takes five, six years to get a PharmD, that is probably not going to turn around. That that number was set five years ago right. with, with admissions, okay? So, all right, that's one point. Another point is uh, one of the pharmacy schools on the West Coast, I forget which one, somebody told me that I trust, 20% of the graduates are not going to sit for the board exam. Jeez. So they don't want a license. Wow. They feel that they can get a good job with a PharmD in any number, and 
obviously there are lots of people with FarmDs yep. in great jobs that really don't need a license. Correct. Okay. So is that a trend that's going to continue? And what effect is that going to have on the workforce? So I'm going to spend a little more time, and I, you know, your audience, if people have thoughts on this, they can find me on LinkedIn or they can find me on Twitter at H.J. Travis and shoot me a note. If you've got a data point, if you've got a point of view on it, I'd love to hear it because I'm going to give this a little more attention and probably publish some things, um, open up a substack, or publish some stuff on LinkedIn on this topic. So I think the value of that FarmD education, the six years to eight years, depending on what track you come out of um, as, a, as a fresh FarmD, is extremely attractive to our healthcare sciences um, sector of healthcare and decision-making and leadership. I know of a pharmacist who runs a pharmacy management software company, and because of his input, they really designed some very unique workflows around different disease states right. and, and the need for that. So that is so important. I think what pharmacists who are listening to now need to understand is we are in the new age of pharmacy. We are in a golden transformation, and it's disruptive. It's violent. It's, um, it's not a fun time to be necessarily. If you're a half-glass-empty type of individual... You don't want to be here right now because right. it's very messy. But if you're a glass half full entrepreneurial type of aggressive individual that you want to start staking your claim and becoming an expert in something, you'll have plenty. You won't be making the hundred and ten thousand dollar salary as a CVS or Walgreens or Rite Aid or whatever Walmart pharmacy that you're making. You'll be 160, 180, 205, depending mm -hmm. on what division you're mm -hmm. leading of right. innovation and pharmacy. And that's what I want our pharmacists to think about. You know, coming out of Assembia 2023, I want our specialty pharmacists who want to break out of something that want to be entrepreneurial. I want you to tap back into your networks and connect with Harry, for example, and understand that there's really huge opportunities right now in the new age of pharmacy, but you have to be aggressive in order to execute. Agreed. You also have to understand what might be obvious, but I'll state it anyway. There are structural impediments. There are barriers to change in, in the pharmacy industry that slow things down, make things difficult. Yep. Boards of pharmacy, okay? We need boards of pharmacy. I'm not slamming boards of pharmacy, but there are 50, you know, 50 boards of pharmacy that each have their own view of how fast technology sh should change. Yes. Okay? Schools of pharmacy cannot automatically completely rewrite their curricula because they think they need to create the new pharmacist of the future because they need to get accredited. And the accrediting bodies are saying, you need to have a curriculum that graduates a student that can pass the board exam. So there's this interesting cycle of kind of resistance to, you know, it's a very slow moving kind of organic body of, of regulators that right. react very slow. I make the comparison to, in my, in my town, in Orlando, just in my neighborhood, uh, opened up a 24 seven 
dry cleaner. So you can walk into this dry cleaner any day, any hour of the day or night. And pick up and drop off. Pick up and drop off, and there's, there's nobody there. <laughs> it, it is completely automated. Wow. Okay. So you just walk in in this little storefront. There's a couple big flat panel screens there, and they tell you to download their app, and there's bags there that you can throw your laundry in. And, right. And you, it prints out a tag, and you get a code on your app, and boom, it goes into the slot, and, you've, and it says it'll be ready on at such and such a time, but you can come in at any time, walk back in with your app, and you hit the button on the panel, and you hear this whir in the background, which is that big <laughs> rack where yeah. you see all of the clothes hung yeah. and the dry cleaner comes and there's a little slot opens in the door and the little robot pushes out your your dry cleaning to you okay so why couldn't that be pharmacy right. and if you want to talk to a pharmacist you talk to a pharmacist on the app mm -hmm. and they're there uh, well we can innovate fast in dry cleaning because there's no board of dry cleaners slowing right. things down but in pharmacy it's just an example of Okay, technology can move fast in some sectors. It can't move fast in others, and I get it. People's lives are at risk. This is critical stuff. We've got to be careful. We've got to double-check. But at the same time, we're living in an, in an era where AI is moving at breakneck speed. Right. There's so much advancement, and you've highlighted it on the podcast on robotics between RxSafe and many other companies that... There's really no need for a pharmacist ever to count a pill, practically. Right. Okay. Exactly. So you take the physical side out of it, you augment the cognitive side with AI, and it really begs the question, okay, where is the value added? I, it's there, yep. but we need to do a much better job of identifying it, highlighting it, and training what the pharmacist of the future is going to do and how they're going to get reimbursed. Yep. Exactly. And how provider status falls into CMS's right. determination as to what gets paid and what doesn't. But it's necessary because the prescription in and of itself and the medication in and of itself is not the future of pharmacy. We have too many pharmacists embracing integrative medicine, holistic medicine, and the combination of marrying and fusion of pharmacological study, evidence-based principles, combined with integrative medicine and what the future that that means. Cannabis, uh, pain management, opioid use disorder, hyperlipidemia, oncology. It's, it's an opportunity for pharmacists to stake their claim as becoming the leaders in taking the baton from our physicians who implement the treatment and literally running the treatment protocols. So it's, it, it, anyone that's listening right now that is aggressive that wants to take your t stake your claim in the world of healthcare. If you're a PharmD, there's no reason you can't. It's just going to be it's going to be a lot of work to to stake your claim. You know, I've learned more about kind of the alternate paths of integrative medicine, cannabis. All. I've learned most of that by listening to episodes on the podcast. Yeah, you know, I, the yep. library of topics that you've got now on the podcast, you can just scroll through and. They're really not out of date. These are, you know, a year, a year ago, two years ago, that right. sort of thing. But if you want to dig into one of these kind of alternative career paths, entrepreneurial paths, you got a heck of a curriculum in the the body of work you've got here. Yep. So kudos to you and, well, thank and the you. team. Yeah, thank you. We're gonna have you back. Uh, thank you for being part of the 
post show for Assembia 2023. Anytime I think of specialty pharmacy, Harry, you're one of the top people, if not the top people that I think of and really helping me to navigate what we should be talking about that are in, that should be an interest of our listeners. And I'm proud of that. And I'm, it's good to call you a friend as well as just having you part of the post show. So I thank you for being here. You are welcome. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Talk to you soon.